Welcome back to Keep the Pulp. I'm Sharon, and today I have a guest that I've been waiting to return for a really long time. It's a very long time. It's Sophia. Hello. I am finally back. We tried to have another episode probably since like December, I would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think so. I remember we like tried to plan for one in like February when you came over to visit. And then, of course, that never happened because we just ended up talking to ourselves as per usual. And then that repeated like eight times. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. We finally made it. And now we're here. Yeah. I can't believe we're actually recording. I was questioning whether or not we'd get here today because we end up talking so much. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because every time that we try to plan specifically to record, we never end up recording and we see each other quite frequently, but it just never end up recording. Yeah, I see you the most out of all my friends, I would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I talk to you most frequently. There have been multiple talks where afterwards we're like, ah, oh, we could have recorded some part of that. Yeah. Or like that topic would have been like a good one to record on. Anyway, our topic today is on what is it? The different ways we navigate our family dynamics. Or it's more like parent-child dynamics. I would we- say like the differences in in terms of our relationship with our parents, because I feel like it's The dynamic is definitely quite different, and I think it has a lot to do with parenting style. And that trickles into personality types, how we were taught to, I think, handle situations and, like, navigate the world. I would say both of us are really, really grateful for, like, our parents and just Mm -hmm. everything that they've done for us. Yes. And there are always things, though, that as you grow up, you know, you start to form your own opinions on or you just see them as like humans themselves too, like not just parents. And that's when like Mm -hmm. the relationship can grow and develop. Yeah. Let's start from you describing your fear day. (laughs) I guess. Yeah. Um, So I think for me, it's very different than a lot of my friends because out of a lot of my friends, I am the only one usually who is an only child. Um, So being an only child, like, Growing up, I only had my parents, really didn't have siblings, so they were like my closest, like immediate family was just my parents. So it was always just me, my mom, and my dad. Um, And that's why I felt like I was like pretty close to my parents growing up, I would say, just because I spent so much time with them. Um, And we, we would have a lot of family outings. And I think I sort of wanted to maintain that as I was growing up and I think because I am an only child I see my parents quite frequently even throughout school like college pharmacy school and like even during residency I would go home pretty often to see my parents and it was almost like expected that I would go see them or visit them like every few weeks or so but in terms of like our family dynamic I definitely felt like it has shifted a lot as I was growing up I remember as a kid I like followed my dad everywhere Like, I wanted to go outside with my dad. Like, when I was a little girl, I was, like, a daddy's girl. Always wanted to spend time with my dad. He, like, taught me how to tie my shoelace and everything. But then as I got older, um, and as I spent more time with my mom, because she took care of me, then I got closer to my mom. But then I think maybe starting in, like, late middle school, high school um, was when I think, well, you know, adolescent, preteen, like, hormones that whole stage you're like more angsty and whatnot and I felt like my mom and I butted heads a lot more um, just because we had like differing opinions and then I felt like I grew apart from my dad too just because like I was angsty I didn't have any reason why like didn't want to talk to my dad as much but I think it's just like that time period in my life you know what were some of the differing opinions that like you clearly remember (laughs) with my mom Mm -hmm. um I had vivid memories of my mom being super against me wearing makeup. And this was like in in high school, I would say, where like my mom was like, you have to focus on your studies. Like you can't waste your time in your morning putting on makeup. Like it does you no use. Like what are your priorities? And also like in high school, you're in this such vulnerable stage where like wearing makeup is like such a huge deal. Um, and so I would wear makeup sometimes in the morning 
but I'm also I was also the type of person to like run really late and like be like really late and my mom would have to rush to drive me to school so one morning I had makeup on my mom saw that I had makeup on and I was already kind of running late and she was stressed that I was running late for school and she like completely flipped and she's like why are you wasting your time like putting on this makeup like I'm not gonna drive you to school I refuse and that was like a huge thing and she just didn't drive me to school and so me was like, well, I need to get to school. If you're not going to drive me to school, then I'm still going to go. I'm not just going to stay home. Right. So I went and I took the bus. And you I did? Took, I did. And you know me and public transportation and how much I did not like taking public transportation. But I was like, well, this is ridiculous. Right. I'm just, I need to go to school. So I literally went to the bus stop and like school and like was taking the bus. And I was extremely late for class because, well, yeah, like the bus is going to like be taking so long. And I'm the type of person to like not be late for class, you know, and not skip school. So then on the bus ride there, like my dad called me, he was like, your mom told me that like this and this happened, like you're riding the bus to school, like you should you need to apologize to your mom right now. Like you going on the bus is like an act of defiance, like against your mom, that you think you're in the right and like you're not apologizing and you're just going to go to school. And I was like, I'm literally what? just trying to go to class <laughs> because like you she wouldn't drive me. That was gonna be late to class. Um so Ooh. and then that happened and my dad kept calling me throughout the day. I feel like my dad is always a mediator whenever slash if my mom and I get into like these arguments. And then he like called me, I think, towards the end of the day and was like, You need to call your mom to apologize and whatnot. And I don't remember like how I got home. I don't remember if my dad drove me or my mom ended up coming to pick me up because I called her to apologize. I don't remember how I got home. But yeah, that was a very vivid memory of like my mom refusing to drive me to school because of that. And like that happened in high school. And that was a very oh. vivid memory. Huh, I'm just like soaking it in. <laughs> One, you taking the bus is like, <laughs> I've never heard of. <laughs> so be on the muni. And yeah. then the other thing is, I mean, from like an outsider's perspective, it seems like you were just problem solving, right? Like, well, there are no other solutions. So I got to go to school. What else were you supposed to do? Yeah. In the moment, every minute is ticking. You're going to be more and more late. Are you supposed to wipe off your makeup and then be like, okay, now I'm going to go. Like, that just takes more time. What yeah. What are you supposed to do? I don't know what I was supposed to do. I guess I was supposed to just bow down. And maybe I should have just, like, wiped my makeup off and just, like, apologized and been like, oh, you're right. I shouldn't spend time on makeup, blah, blah, blah. But obviously, that wasn't what I felt. And, like, but I was. never do that. Kids exactly. don't just do that. Yeah, and I was so fixated on, like, having to get to school, but my dad was like, I can't believe you just took the bus. Like, that kind of shows that you're going against your mom and you don't think you're in the wrong. And I'm like, well, I didn't think I was in the wrong. school." <laughs> but, yeah, that kind of carried on throughout high school where my parents were just so against me wearing makeup and, like, this always came up. And it kind of didn't stop until like college because it was like at that point I was more of an adult and like whatever I put in my face, like that's up to me. And like nowadays, sometimes when I guess their friends compliment like how presentable I look, they're like, oh, they got complimented. I was like, yeah, that's because I put effort into like how I look sometimes. So like all those times you're telling me like not to wear makeup, blah, 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 blah. It's, well, this is what happened. That's like an example of a time where my mom and I butted heads in high school. But our relationship got a lot better in college just because I was like far away and I would call my parents a lot more. And I felt like I almost felt like we were on the same page because I was like a little bit older and I was like learning a lot of things and feeling like I was maturing a lot more, was able to talk to them about like relationship stuff when I was going through relationship stuff. So I felt like that took a different turn in college and in pharmacy school. And then in this past year, it's a little bit more difficult just because with COVID and like their fears of COVID, it's been hard to communicate with them, I think, this past year. Because I lived right next to you from like our first year of college. And I was very familiar with your parents after like, maybe because they helped you move in. And mm -hmm. then thereafter, I just carpooled with you and, and sometimes things like that. Yeah. So yeah, I got, I got closer to your parents throughout our college years and especially pharmacy school because then you were my roommate. So then I saw them all the time. But mm -hmm. I always had the impression that like you were very well taken care of. Like your dad has the dolly, all the boxes for moving, like everything is very zing tight, well prepared. And I mean, it's always like our inside joke that like your parents love you so much more than my parents love me, which is <laughs> <laughs> a joke. It's a joke, it's but like, like in the way that they express their love 
is like a lot of acts of service. Like my parents do acts of service as well, but yours do like 20 out of 10 acts of mm. service. And they clearly really not only care about you, but like put thought into how they're caring about you. Maybe even if that's like a subconscious thought process, I, mm-hmm. it's like from an outsider, I can see that like they're meticulous, right? But mm-hmm. I can see also when you're growing up and trying to find like a sense of independence, that meticulous, detailed, almost like like they want to be so present in your life that it could clash with like someone who's just going through their adolescent years, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like they definitely did want to be very present in my life and I felt like I had one childhood friend specifically who would tell like their parents like everything just because their parents are a little bit more chill than my parents and they didn't freak out as much and so my parents I think wanted to have that relationship too where like they wanted to know everything that was happening with me and like all the things that I was going through but they also responded a little bit differently just because I feel like they worry a lot more and so that like affects how much I'm willing to share so I think that's a good point but also going back to like the acts of service thing, like I actually didn't realize that that is their love language in terms of like showing their love is like through acts of services. Because I know my parents go above and beyond in terms of like if I inquire about one certain little thing, they're like, oh, we'll do this or oh, we'll drive to you. Or like if I want groceries or something like that, my mom will pack a whole like box cooler. or two boxes or cooler yeah full of food and just prepare all of that and then I was thinking about how that kind of bleeds into love languages with relationships and significant others because I think acts of services has always been pretty high up there on the list but I think it's because I've been so spoiled with acts of services in my life with my parents that I almost take acts of services for granted So it's like when it's there and when like a significant other like does ask the services for me, I appreciate it. But I don't think I show my true appreciation because it's almost something that is expected just because like that's how my environment was growing up. I think if there is a lack of ask the services, then I will definitely notice it. But I feel like because I'm so used to it, when it is present, I don't realize how good I have it. Mm -hmm. Actually, that's a really good point. Huh. We both value acts of service highly. Mm-hmm. And there are times when we both express frustrations when it comes to significant others, like not understanding what we need in the moment, aka like help me out with this. It'd be really good if you just like did the dishes because like I can't do them right now because I'm so busy doing something else. I can't even take care of minor things. And those acts of services really add up. I mean, sometimes it's hard for us to ask for those things because we were given them automatically from our parents. Yes. And then you don't really form that skill anymore when it comes to a stranger because like you can just say something subtle and your parents will get it and then they'll do it how you need it, right? And cater to you because they're your parents. But then someone who doesn't know you who's just starting to date you or is dating you and hasn't figured out all of that and how to really like navigate your behaviors and what things mean, it can become like almost like a a tricky game of expectations and like reality Mm. checking. Mm Mm-hmm. I think the expectations part is definitely like a huge factor too because this is like what you were shown growing up. It's kind of what you expect in a partner and having those expectations can be like dangerous or like a very slippery slope. Definitely for my parents, I think anyone could say that access services is up there. Um, What would you say is the love language that your parents express for you or your brother or just you and your brother? Just me, not my brother. Ethan. It's okay. Ethan has his number one fan club, so he gets all the love from like me and Victoria. Um, I think acts of service is up there, but quality time, like those two are really big for me. And I see that like more so when I look back on my past now. There were a lot of times where we spent evening playing cards together, board games together. My dad would somehow have the creative initiative to take us out mini golfing. Like now he doesn't do anything. Wow. Like that, but <laughs> like you guys went mini golfing? Yeah, like every year we'd go at least once or twice. It was wow. just a thing. Like some random weekend he'd be like, hey, we're going to go mini golfing. Or he'd just start driving us somewhere and then we'd end up mini golfing. Mm-hmm. So things like that. Or for a long period in my childhood, we'd bike every Sunday at our local park, play basketball or badminton. Yeah, I guess. Because like my dad also, I think this is where I get my love for outdoor activities and sports is from my dad because he also really enjoys activities like that. So in a sense, like quality time was always somehow built into our family time. And I don't think he really expressed that explicitly. 
And my mom, she was just like there and doing it. I don't think she, she's not as big of an outdoor activities person, but she'll always like come along and more so be the caretaker. My dad's more like of the person who's playing and enjoying the activity. And my mom Mm -hmm. is more so the parent who's making sure everyone is okay and safe. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, she's less like enjoying the activity and more supervising. But yeah, that's why for me, quality time and one-on-one time with people is like really important because not just conversations, but through experiences is how I build like trust and build a connection with people. But now I think it's shifted in that it's a little bit less of like outdoor activities. Instead, we'll watch basketball games together. Yeah, we like really like watching sports now um, as a family and going on walks really just like eating together is the main family activity like it takes up most of our family time and I don't know we don't really do extravagant things I guess like the things that they need and want are just typically really simple things so I think that that has also shaped my perspective of how I live my life in a sense Mm -hmm. compared to Sophia's parents my parents are considered to be more chill even though we did get disciplined as Asian children do (laughs) Um, when we were growing up. I think they understood that we needed space to grow. And my parents are pretty good about like giving me and my brother the space we needed at our certain like milestones in life. So even like high school time, the only thing they'd really harp on was just making sure I was on top of my academics. But even in high school, they were really hands off. I think they knew that especially the high school that we went to, it was like more than enough outside pressure from high school and on. They were more and more lenient, actually. And in a lot of ways, I thought they were really strict growing up because compared to my cousin's family, my parents are super strict. And so I always had the impression that my parents were the more strict kind. Really? Yeah. It's kind of weird because I think at times they are chill and at times they're not. It really depends. I think they have very particular things that they're very strict about. I think I was very lucky growing up. I never had those like stereotypical Asian parents that you see and like subtle Asian traits who are like, oh, you have to be like a doctor when you grow up and like, oh, a B is not good enough and like being really strict. They were always very supportive because I think I was already pretty hard on myself, especially in the high school that we went to. That was so challenging at times where I was like not getting the grades that I wanted. Like my parents never were like harping on me, like you need all A's or like, why didn't you get an A? I like got a lower grade. They're like, as long as you tried your best, like it's okay. Because I would be already like crying and like in so much pain and like, pain at that time and like been so sad but they would always like be so supportive in that way and I think having that healthy relationship where they're like they're still supporting you as long as you try your best which is how my mentality of regardless of the yelp if I know that in that moment I did it to the best of my ability and I tried my best then I will forgive myself for it and I think that's something that I was able to learn from them because that's how they treated me and like comforted me growing up so I definitely think that was like something very healthy And then in high school, like I didn't go out a lot because my parents were stricter and like all about safety and whatnot. So I didn't venture out too much. But the one weird thing that a lot of my friends were really surprised about, though, was like how willing they were to let me travel with people in undergrad. We would go on like trips together. And some of my high school friends would be like, oh, like our parents probably like wouldn't let me do this. Or like I took a trip with my boyfriend at that time to Florida and like when they knew it was we were like going on a trip together and they would like let me go too like they didn't have really much concerns and a lot of my friends were like oh wow like my parents at that age like wouldn't let me go on this trip with my significant other but my parents did and I was also surprised so in certain ways like they weren't strict like that and I felt like maybe because I had built some trust being so obedient growing up that like they trust on me good decisions but then there are also certain things that they're very like strict about and it's anything that has to do with safety and I definitely think me being an only child daughter in a Chinese family has a huge role in it where it's like if we're gonna go out or like do something at night in SF in like a non-safe place like they're kind of more against it just because it's like a safety factor it's not like a we don't trust you but it's more like we don't trust other people who you don't know in terms of what's going to happen to you and that's also why like with COVID and them being so concerned about COVID and being so afraid of it and like being very COVID cautious it's been a little bit harder for me to like make my own decisions some decisions are riskier than others but they're just like no safety comes first Mm -hmm. I think that's where the like chill versus like strictness levels Mm -hmm. differ a little bit so you said a lot of things in the first (laughs) first part 
actually the whole mentality of trying your best and being supportive. I think my parents were also like that. The way they explained it to my brother and me, though, was like, we know kind of where your potential is and like, we don't expect you. This is exactly like I know. So Throw back to your mom's podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they were like, we kind of know where your potential is and, and we can tell that you guys are giving it your best effort. And so as long as we sense that, like my parents are really intuitive people. Sometimes they're wrong, but in a lot of ways, they're scarily accurate when they make assumptions about my brother and me, especially growing up. And so, or maybe that's what they taught me to think. Maybe they're not actually that intuitive. I don't know. I, I just always had the sense that like my parents had a pretty good idea about like what was going on, but they were hands off when they sensed that they could trust the decisions that we were making. With the whole going out thing, my parents are really chill. Also, like not really chill. Like they want to know that I'm safe and they want me to text them, but they rarely restricted like any of the things that I wanted to do. And part of that might be that since I was a kid, if there was something that I really wanted to do and I like felt strongly about it, I just did it. I didn't really care what they thought. <laughs> and I'm really strong headed like that sometimes. And they know that, I mean, the whole like fighting with me, it's almost not worth it because, well, I already did it and I'm just going to keep doing this. So like it's it's gonna be like a retrospective, not productive talk unless it was like really bad, which I haven't really made many awful decisions in my life. So with time, I think we built trust too. So like similar to your relationship with your parents. Yeah, even in middle school though, they let me take the public transportation home and let me chill at the library or at the park until they could pick me up because they didn't trust me with a key yet when I was that young because they don't want me to lose the key. But yeah. whenever I say that to someone that I meet now, they're like, oh, middle school is really young because yeah, I was a really tiny sixth grader. My backpack was bigger than me. And if you think about it, I was probably on the bus for 45 minutes. Like a lot could go wrong every day yeah. in 45 minutes, but they were just confident that I, I mean, and I always got to where I needed to go. So in that sense, the independence thing came since I was young because I like, just did a lot of classes and lessons and they wouldn't like stay there or wait for me anytime I had a lesson. They would just drop me off. I'd do the lesson even if it was 20 minutes. If it was three hours, I'd just be there by myself and I'd figure everything out by myself because there are parents who like wait around, right? Like my parents were not those parents. Like in that <laughs> sense, like that's when I'd say like, yeah, they didn't love me enough to like wait around for me because there's like other stuff that needs to be done. They need to buy groceries. They need to eat, visit their friends, like whatever they were doing, they were not waiting for me like some of their parents were because they didn't believe in like micromanaging. I think they were just like, there are things that she has to figure out by herself. And like that has really carried on from my adolescent years till like my young adult years because they do have that mindset of with age and maturity comes like the responsibility and the trust like I know who I raised and she hasn't really proven otherwise like I haven't really done awful things that <laughs> made them lose their trust in me I think so even now if I can reason through wanting to do something they will usually just listen to like what I have to say course there's always like opinions whether it's solicited or not right, right. just Asian parents but in the end they like know that I can think for myself but even sometimes I'm like I feel like I'm too sheltered and mm -hmm. a part of me can't wait to fully leave the nest and make more of those decisions on my own and to you know even if I fall like I'm also excited for that process of picking myself back up and learning things for myself because it sometimes feels like I'm never able to fully learn the scope of an experience if I know my parents are my safety net, which is how it's been like my whole life still. So I think there's like more to learn in terms of that. And for us to like stretch and see where our dynamic can change when I like move further away and navigate other things on my own. I think it's also very hard for parents to see their kid fall, even though they know like they're old enough to make their own decisions. Whatever poor consequences happen that a result of those poor decisions, they just don't want to see those bad consequences. Because I think like parents have this innate desire to just protect their kids from like all evil things and all harmful things in the world. When they think you're going to make a bad decision, they're going to try the hardest they can because they don't want to see any poor circumstances. But there does come a point where it's like they do have to let go because it's like, well, we do have to experience this like negative consequences in order for us to keep growing and keep learning. So I think like I think your parents giving you growing up is definitely like a different parenting style than mine because 
I don't think as a middle schooler, my parents would have been okay with me just riding the bus because in their head, it's like the city is so dangerous. Safety always number one, right? She can get kidnapped. This can happen. That can happen. Mm -hmm. And they were hands off in some ways, but also very hands on in other ways. Like I would have like piano lessons and everything and whatnot. And I would spend the whole day at like the conservatory of music and they would just let me be there by myself the whole day. And they wouldn't really like sit in on my lessons anymore. And so that time period, I was able to be like independent and they were hands off in that aspect. But then they would always be there to pick me up, to drop me off. And I think that also just goes back to the acts of service is that my parents do like just pick me up, drop me off, make sure I'm like getting there safely, like fed and have food and have money and whatnot. But I think not having that space is also a little bit difficult the older that I get. Because I think because your parents give you that space, like it's almost expected that like you, you are going to make your own decisions and like you will take responsibility for the consequences of your decisions. And maybe it's also because of your personality where it's like, well, Sharon's going to do whatever Sharon wants to do because she's like willing to do it and she wants to do it and there's no changing her mind versus I felt like I was always feeling like a little bit of guilt and always having to listen to my parents so even if I wanted wanted to do a certain thing if I knew that my parents disapprove of it it was very difficult for me to carry on with my own decision because I knew that they disapproved so like more often than not I will default to not doing something just because that's what my parents I know want and I think because of that I was a very obedient like child like growing up but then as I got older I realized how that created like a cycle that worked as a kid but it's hard to break out of when you're older now and like an adult essentially where they kind of expect me to like have something I want to do, bring it up to them. If they don't approve of it, they sort of expect me to take their opinion and then listen to their opinion and then Mm -hmm. come to this logical, rational conclusion to myself that, oh yeah, my parents' opinion is correct. It's unsafe for me to do this. And so I therefore have weighed the benefits and the risks and I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what they think and they think that it's because like yeah my opinion is right and so Sophia's listening to my opinion when on my end it's like I can see the truth and like yes you are coming from a very valid place but that may not be exactly uh, all that you take into priority. account yeah yeah because I have other priorities too you know that I take into account but because I feel so bad about doing something that they don't approve then I just end up not doing what I want to do but I created this cycle where they just expect me to do whatever they want I realize that the older that I get the harder it will be for me to make decisions for myself if I don't break out of that cycle which is sort of where we are now in this like weird like stage of like quasi kind of adulting Um, And it's weird because I've actually been living away from home for so many years, ever since undergrad. And I only really visit home like on the weekends or on breaks, you know, but I think there's always the expectation that I will come back to home and like be close to home. And like, if I don't come back for a couple of weeks, they text me and like, oh, or when are you coming back home? It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm like far away and like living my own independent life, but also like still so attached and connected at the same time that it's something to balance, I think. Mm -hmm. I think with the whole like my parents giving me space and then giving me the I guess opportunity to like fail and whatever except it doesn't come without their lecturing at the end (laughs) like that'll still come like I didn't ask for that part but they'll still like share their opinion with me and I think growing up it came off as like really strong nagging I was just like so sick of it because it almost felt like they thought that I couldn't think of these things myself. Like as if I didn't already tell myself these mm. things in my own head and that they yeah. had to reiterate like why I couldn't think for myself. <laughs> and yeah. like it never feels good, right? To have someone tell you, I told you so, or like this is why the decision you made was the wrong one. <laughs> Let me just be really like parental about it, right? But mm-hmm. then now I think understanding parenting is so hard and I have so much respect for like all the parents out there everything is a fine balance. Every child needs something different and every parent works really differently, but somehow each parent-child dynamic has to, you know, work and they have to kind of grow together. Like now having read like books and like listened to podcasts about like the struggles that parents have to go through in terms of learning to let go. And it's not just letting go of their authority, but it's more so letting go of your child, like physically too. Because when you think Mm -hmm. about it, when they're 
when your child is a baby, everything that they do, they depend on you for. And that complete wholehearted dependence, it gets like scraped away every year that they grow. And then to the point where like your child will no longer like lean on you, you can no longer carry them like those physical things. Of course, physical touch is important in like relationships. And so that I learned that parents have to learn how to wean off of that sort of dependence and physical touch. And of course, some parents like struggle with it more than others or ends up manifesting in like other non-physical ways. Instead, they just create like boundaries for their kids. And it's easy as a kid to say that's like obviously so overbearing or they're just being really naggy. And so now that I've heard of like what the parent has to go through, it just brings more perspective into how much goes on in their minds that I'm also not aware of. Also, like no Asian parent tells you the psychological changes. Like they don't really talk about that stuff, but it would have been helpful for me to like understand. And I think we definitely don't realize this until we get older, where we like, when we become more self-aware of our own feelings and our own emotions and things that we're fighting within ourselves, we realize, wait, our parents are also human and they're also probably going through the same similar or their own like internal struggles or whatnot. And so you realize that more. But then the question I also have is that, well, with Asian parents and like how not talked about like mental health, being self-aware and like putting yourself first, you know, that's not like a huge thing within that culture. Sometimes I wonder if they can identify and like recognize the feelings that they're feeling and if how self-aware they are themselves, mm-hmm. you know, if they can reason through why they feel a certain way or why they're acting a certain way. That sometimes I wonder. I Me feel too. like, yeah, because I know we within our friends, we talk about this a lot, but I don't, and we can like see it happening and like reason it through for our parents based on what we're seeing from them. But sometimes I wonder if that's even going through our head too. Or if they're uh, just going through the motions because that's yeah, what they know to that's do. That's what they know. And they just carry out the steps and they, they like know they need to take care of their parents. They know they need to take care of their kids. They know they feel sad or worried when their kids are out. But for us, we kind of dig a little bit deeper as to why we're feeling certain ways. And I sometimes wonder if they do that too. I have a feeling that my dad might be a little bit more self-aware mm-hmm. just because in the most more recent conversations with my dad, I feel like he's been able to like relate to like, I see where you're coming from and why you want to make these decisions and kind of like acknowledging where I'm coming from, even if he doesn't completely agree with what I'm doing or if that's something he would personally do either. Versus sometimes I'm not sure. I think my mom has a lot of like worrying going on. And I don't know if she's quite analyzed or like, really thought about oh why am I worrying so much but all she knows mm-hmm. is like I'm worried I'm worried I'm worried and she just mm-hmm. keeps worrying mm-hmm. because it's hard to understand anything before you identify it and like acknowledge mm-hmm. that it is a thing and that's the challenge maybe that our parents and that generation has because it was never exemplified to them like what that looked like so it seems really abstract I think for me my mom is the more self-aware one And when I talk to her about my thought processes and me analyzing situations with her, like her feedback resembles some of my friends sometimes and even surprises me how well she understands where I'm coming from. Even if she has a different opinion, she'll still like listen and then she says, oh yeah, I see what you mean. And then she'll like say what she thinks. But with my dad, I think, I don't know what the mental block is, but it feels like he can only understand so much of what I'm saying when I'm trying to explain something. Mm-hmm. Like not that he can't understand the words, but he can't see where I'm coming from. Like I think mm-hmm. the empathy part uh-huh. is where he gets stuck. Whereas well, maybe because my mom works in healthcare, maybe because my mom has to deal with patients and is pretty much always interacting with different disciplines. She really picked up that skill. And I think she knows this too from her job. And for my dad, he did more of like union work where probably like 98% male, first of all. And second <laughs> of all, it's like a very traditionally physical activity and there's not that much empathy or vulnerability or emotions that go into that type of job so Mm -hmm. he never really had to exercise that ever really and so when I've asked him things about how you feel about your family why do you think you think this why do you think you feel this and do you think your past has ever affected how you think now he mostly has like very short or no answers to those questions and Mm -hmm. then I asked him why don't you think about these things and he's like I don't know it just never occurred to me to like think about it Mm -hmm. 
And that's it. <laughs> I feel like also, like, not to, like, stereotype, but, like, common thing is, like, males tend to be, like, less empathetic. Women are just more likely to be more empathetic and put their themselves in other people's shoes and kind of, like, try to understand and, like, think about other people where, like, men may not always do that and they also don't as openly talk about their feelings and that's not like as accepted so then because it's not accepted they don't really practice that muscle as much and so they may not have that perspective on life especially in the asian culture too yeah that's funny i think i don't know why i feel like it's flipped with that my dad is a little bit more right that way and my mom isn't just because i feel like my dad is just so willing to talk about feelings and like hopes and dreams and aspirations and like what he wanted to do when he was younger versus where he is now and like kind of those things where my mom's kind of like almost like just emotionally not as open that way and kind of just gives short factual answers well like this is how things are well gotta do this you know i don't know like she's a woman of actions, right? Like she yeah. does things. She has tasks that she does and she just does them. Sometimes though, she is very empathetic. Like I remember this was last year when we were graduating and I was expressing to my parents how like I was very sad that because of COVID, we weren't going to have an in-person ceremony. We basically weren't going to have any celebration of us graduating pharmacy school of any type. And I was telling her how like sad I was about this. And instead of empathizing with me, like, oh, that is very sad. She's like, this is for the best. Like, it's COVID. Nobody wants to gather. Like, this is the best decision that they can make because it's safe. And I'm like, well, yes, obviously, like, I have thought about that. And like, obviously, I agree that it is a better decision to not have an in-person ceremony. But like, what I'm seeking is not to be reminded of the factual things. But like, I just wanted some empathy, right? I wanted her to say like, oh, yeah, it is very sad that like, you don't get a graduation after going through school for so long and not being able to celebrate it. And so I had voiced that opinion to her and then that's when she realized she's like oh yeah you're right yeah you should tell us more about these things because it's like just not in our culture to be empathetic and so we'll be more aware of this moving forward so I don't know it's a hit or miss sometimes it's like a hit with my mom and a miss with my mom sometimes it's a hit with my dad and a miss with my dad so it's like Mm -hmm. both parents like offer something different Mm -hmm. to the table at different times that's nice that after you explained it though she took that feedback and like wanted to be there for you like more present emotionally present for you or at least try and acknowledge that right my daughter was not looking for this she was looking (laughs) for that and she knows and asked me like that that's nice yeah and I think she kept trying after that too because I remember like whenever I was tired or stressed and studying for boards she would like text very supportive messages so I think she was trying to work on that like moving forward But I don't know what this whole year, this year has been tough on my mom, I think. And so I think a lot of things have changed for her and our dynamic has been a little bit different this year. There was just a lot of blocks, I think, in this past year of them, either not knowing a lot of things that happened in my life or just being so like physically distant because of COVID and not physically close to spending as much quality time, even though I go home often, it's not quality time I would say our relationship with my parents have almost been like stagnant slash not really grown as much this past year so I think like moving forward that's what I want to work on this next year and moving forward because I felt like I spent less one-on-one time with them than I did before and that created a distance and I'm less willing to share certain things because I'm like afraid of repercussions of sharing or like I just didn't have the time or the energy to like explain and spend time talking about certain things where I know when my mood is good when I'm interacting with my parents then I am more willing to share versus like this whole past year I was just so tired and like no time no energy just not willing to share and so not really opening that like path of communication but I do see that with your parents, which is something I think even Victoria and I like admire and I talk about a lot is that how open you are with your parents and how mm-hmm. like even you describing like your quality time with your parents, like spending time walking or like dinner, or eating and just like spending a lot of time with them. I feel like that's something my parents, especially my dad really wants is like for more conversation during dinner and to like do more family outings and whatnot. But I think like I haven't really focused a lot of my attention on that aspect this past year recently. Um, but I know that that's something that I want to like try to strive to do. Because whenever I go for dinner, 
and I'm like, okay, like, like, like I'm, I'm done. Like, I'm going to leave. And my dad's like, come by. King Gaila, Toilo, King Gaila. I'm like, no, 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 like, I'm busy. Or like, I'm like, oh, no, like, I don't have anything to say. Or like, I'm too tired and I can't make conversations. So mm. I do feel bad because I felt like there hasn't been that great of a connection this past year. And I see that they want that connection. But it's a lot of balancing different things in life just this past year. But recognize it. Know it's something that I want to work on. And we'll probably work on hopefully moving forward. And I also see yeah. that as like, because of how hard your past year has been through residency, you acknowledge that you neglected a lot of self-care. I think that family time is is actually a huge part of self-care that mm-hmm. like you end up denying yourself if say you have like deadlines and like have had a long week and you're stressed about an upcoming thing all of those things that end up becoming huge burdens, they just push out the part of you that wants to make time for your parents. It's not like you're just working on that relationship because you know it'd be good, but it's because it also like nurtures you. Like, mm-hmm. And it's hard to let yourself do that when you're in the midst of something very, very stressful and soul-sucking, time-consuming, right? But at least... I mean, one, you're done. And in two, like that's something that you are going to be like mindful of working towards. I think that's where it starts. And I know that they are super understanding of your situation. So I I know I'm pretty certain they don't take it personally that like you Mm -hmm. didn't have that much energy to expend after dinner because you were like already exhausted. Yeah. They're also the type of parents who are like, oh, we can't text her that much because she's so busy and she's so stressed that we shouldn't bother her. And I'm like, oh, one, I appreciate that. But two, I also feel bad about that because like, well, they're still family, you know, because that's always been their personality. Like throughout school, it's like, oh, we can't bother her because she's like so stressed out already. Mm. Um, So they give me space in that aspect. (laughs) I think they know. I haven't asked them this, but I'm pretty sure they can recognize what I'm not stressed. I and everyone knows my personality in general (laughs) when I'm not stressed more pleasant to be around like just more open but when I am stressed and tired not pleasant to be around like like, tight ball and you don't really like want to untighten (laughs) you just need to stay uptight so that you can get through like what it is that you need to do yeah it is very hard for anyone to like penetrate through that like tension, I think. It's like I have a one-tracked mind where it's like yeah. I can't be like loose and happy because I'm so fixated on like going through this task and having to do it. So definitely during those times, I do not dilly-dally and make conversation after dinner. I'm like, no, I have to go study or no, I have to go like do this and that. And I just like don't really spend that time with them. Yeah. Is there anything that you want to like explore, like work on with in terms of like your relationship with your parents moving forward? Especially like, I don't know if this plays a factor, but if you're going to move like out of home, you know, in the future, just anything that you want to explore with your relationship with your parents? Yeah, it's weird because I also lived away from home for like all of college and grad school. And then now I came back home post covid I mean, during COVID, like there's nowhere else to go. I can't even really go anywhere. And it just worked out that like my job is close enough to my home to where I can commute every day. But I also know that like moving forward at some point, I'm going to move out. So I actually, I know that like you and like some other people say like, oh, it'd be really hard to move back home again. Like that would be a struggle. Then that would like a transition kind of like reestablishing boundaries with parents after living away for so long. It's like kind of a thing that could be challenging, but I never really saw it that way for some reason. Maybe it has to do with like our relationship being almost like friend-like and like I can just complain to them or joke with them and as I would a roommate sort of, except they're my family and then they cook for me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and I, we cook for each other as roommates Oh yeah, we, we do cook for each other. But for me, coming home is like, I know it's temporary and I actually really cherish this time because I know it's fleeting. And once I look back on it, because presumably I'm not going to like come back to this life stage again, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss being so close and convenient to like joke around with them, watch games with them, like just do things with them. I think this past year has been 
there have been some challenging times, especially when we find that we have differing opinions on like social issues. That's something that I am sure that I want to work on is creating a more balanced and mature line of communication when it comes to us expressing our different beliefs. Because, you know, like being a child, sometimes the way they end up saying things insinuates that like they know more than me. And that's just like a very parental thing. Like that habit probably just comes from like raising me. But they've been really good about like not doing that. And sometimes when that comes out for things where I have now formed my own opinions on, it's like I get taken aback because, you know, like I kind of thought that we were on this equal footing when it comes to like, you know, you and me are adults now. So we can talk about this as adults. But maybe in the heat of the moment, we become so wrapped up in our differing beliefs and like the conflicts there that the whole equal footing adult thing goes out the window. And then I feel like... like, Betrayed. Yeah, I feel betrayed almost. Like, what? (laughs) And that is definitely something I want to work on. It's probably going to take a lot of time and patience on both of our parts. And I think I have to be the person to initiate this because my Asian parents like don't really aren't really as cognizant about certain things and they have their own perspective. They're very like set in their ways. And I try to understand that maybe in their eyes, they think I'm set in my ways because of how like the Western culture that we grew up in, right? Which is different from their traditional Asian culture. So it's like blending those two ideas together and like sitting down to have mature conversations about things that we feel differently about and bringing like empathy into the conversation. Like not just saying that we feel differently, but like I want to know why they feel so strongly about some of the things that they feel. And hopefully I can express to them that I'm not just saying things that my generation says, but like Mm -hmm. things that I'm feeling, things that I've gone through, things that I've also seen other people go through. It's like bringing a story to like the feelings, right? It's not just... Mm -hmm. This is what I feel. And you should think the same thing as me. It's more like, mm-hmm. let's story tell and like share. It's so it's like an explanation of like why you have certain opinions. Because I feel like a lot of Asian parents think that we are quote unquote brainwashed because we grew exactly. up here versus like, yeah, maybe it's because we are, you know, exposed to certain things here, but it's also an accumulation. Like our opinions are an accumulation of our life experiences. And that's a good way to approach it is just to lay it out for them. Like, this is how I came to this conclusion, which hopefully will help them understand. It's gotten better. I think in the past, a lot of the times, there have been really heated conversations and neither party walks away feeling good or or heard, right, about what was said. And and there's, that's why I think it's like such a tricky aspect to work on. Because when it comes to like a lot of other things, we do see eye to eye. But when it isn't the case, like mm-hmm. I have to learn how to have those conversations first because I just don't practice that that much. Yeah. And I think it's also hard to have those conversations because when there are differing opinions, it's very difficult to not let emotions take control of the conversation. And like once emotions sort of like are in the forefront and like driving the conversation, like there is not really good outcome because both parties are heated or emotional. And that's never really the best way to have a productive conversation. But it is normal that these conversations like lead to like such heated emotions surfacing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I have been able to bring forth new ideas in a really calm way in a handful of conversations recently that I could walk away feeling like, wow, that was actually really eye opening for the both of us (laughs) or for both parties. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And just like in general, I want to work on getting to know my parents more as individuals. I feel like I know about their lives. But then I only know what I know and I don't know the rest of what I don't know. And there Mm -hmm. must be so much more because like every year of my life, I feel like it's packed full of events and and things that have gone well, not so well, dynamic changes, growth. Yeah. And so I feel like them having like 40, 50 plus years, there must be a lot of stuff that they've gone through. Right. And I kind of want to like dig deeper into those things and how Mm -hmm. that's changed them. Although I don't know if they have answers for everything that I wonder because they might just not think of mm-hmm. those things in the same ways that we do. And they might not have thought about them mm-hmm. until you ask them, yeah. which is why what I think too. Yeah, I have made progress on the therapy front. I think it's just like exposure, honestly. Like I keep bringing it up and I keep telling mm-hmm. them about things. And then they also saw Simone Biles and like they understand more of the prevalence of mental health now because I keep hammering it in <laughs> like subtly. So 
I think they understand at least there are people who go through these things. It's not just like something you can outright ignore and pretend it's not there and live through. Yeah. But there are also things that I don't think they're aware of. So yeah. I think like my parents, maybe yeah, they acknowledge that it it exists and like, Oh, our generation, like so many of us like deal with like depression, anxiety and like mental health issues. And it's almost like a disease of our generation. It's like, cause we have the luxury of having to worry about all these things or that these things manifest itself just because we allow ourselves to think about it. So that's why versus if we just don't think about it then they won't manifest so it's an us problem Um, but I think they realize that like sometimes it's not in our control you know I think unless they know or if they have a child who is going through that and until they work through it and talk more to their child about their experiences they may innately just look down on people who have mental health issues or who reach Mm -hmm. out for professional health because I think they almost see it as like a weakness you know um, Which is so far from the truth. Like, yes. No, yeah. not weakness. No, being vulnerable and open enough to like ask for professional help is like a strength because like you recognize this and now you're working on it. I've heard stories about how like certain parents who've learned that their kids are suffering from like depression, anxiety, mental health issues, and like they are able to grow their relationship because now the parents see firsthand have a deeper understanding of what is happening versus like if a parent doesn't have a child who goes through that or is as open to them about that, then they'll just forever like kind of look down upon it because um, they don't really have that conversation, that one-on-one conversation about it and they don't get the insight into like the child's life. Mm-hmm. This was like a very packed topic and we, I think, scraped a bunch of little surfaces, Mm -hmm. but we could easily spend another like three podcasts going into the specific topics. But yeah, it was a good start, a really good start. Yeah, I think there's different things we could dig deeper on just because our relationship with our parents are so different, yet there are similarities just because culturally very similar. Agreed. Thanks for listening to our very free flow conversation honestly yeah. with yeah. no structure no structure but it was still a good conversation yeah thanks for having me again yeah come back sooner than like how long has it been oh maybe a year almost possibly a, year. a year possibly nine year. nine months out wow yeah. the whole term oh man creating the baby <laughs> we could be parents oh no not today not today no 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 Okay, thanks for listening, y'all. Bye. Bye.